Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and let's start at verse 7. We're going to read down through 11, and uh, we'll pick a uh, subject here tonight. We talked about, we talked about interpretation of tongues. No, no, did we preach about it? Did we explain it? Okay, well, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll go there. Uh, all right, the gift of interpretation, all right. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and verse uh, 7 through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to a prophet with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now we have talked about the diverse kinds of tongues. We talked about the basic uh, eight languages that are listed in 1 Corinthians 14th chapter. There's like five or six of them listed there. And we talked about... Uh, the languages of one speaks not unto man but unto God, another one speaks to edify himself. But these are all different languages because they all accomplish different things. Sometimes people, you know, are told, well, you know, uh, you got your prayer language when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, which there is no such language listed in the Scripture. There is none. So to say someone has been using their prayer language, saying the same thing for 20 years would be like praying the Lord's Prayer and asking God to give them something different or for God to know what they really want in their heart. Well, that's not so. Remember, God gives us what we speak. Numbers, the 14th chapter. So we have to understand that when words are spoken, if you would be praying and asking God for a car, then he certainly would not give you a minibus. Is that right? The Bible said if you, being good children, know how to ask gifts of your heavenly Father, if you asked him for a loaf of bread, would he give you a serpent or give you a stone? Well, absolutely not. Why? Because God responds to the voice or the language of your petition. Right? Okay. So it would be impossible, it would be foolish for somebody to pray the Lord's Prayer every day and expect something different than what was prayed in the Lord's Prayer to happen. Like if you went to uh, the Lord and you were going to pray for David and you started praying the Lord's Prayer for David. Now, David would probably get his daily bread. He would uh, become aware uh, and be uh, protected from entering into temptation. Uh, he would forgive people. And God would forgive him. God's glory would come. His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But you haven't really addressed the problem 
that David asked you to pray about. Yes, but God knows. I know that you have need of it. He, look, he, yes, he does. He knows things that you have need of before you ask. But he never gives you what you don't ask for. The Bible says, James 4.1, ask, or he says you have not because you ask not. So God expects you to ask. Could I get an amen? amen. Absolutely. So sometimes people think, well, you know, I got my prayer language uh, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. No, you didn't. You got an evidential tongue. That evidential tongue is, really has nothing to do except it is an evidential tongue. It is evidence that the Holy Ghost has came in and filled you. It is not your prayer language because you speak and you pray in different ways and different things all the time. Now, the Bible said in Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 26 down through 28, that when we come to the end of ourselves, we know not what we should pray, that the Holy Ghost then will come in and give us an utterance. He doesn't give it to you when you first get saved. He gives it to you to pray the prayer that is needed at that time. Amen. So it would be impossible for you to have gotten your prayer language, which doesn't exist, because prayer language is made up of the language or the petition that is needed at that moment. You didn't just get a repetitious prayer that you're supposed to pray all the time and expect God to give you something different. You're right. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right. Then it tells us here that there, in these diverse kinds of tongues, there is a gift of interpretation. Interpretation is not a translation. It is not word for word. It is the meaning of what has been said. Like if I told uh, David, uh, David, go down the store and... Uh, uh, down here, and I want you to go down the store, go to the third light, turn to the right, go down, go to the second light, turn to the left, and the store's down there on your right. But then Sharon comes in and says, where's David? I sent him to the store. One is an interpretation of what I said. Another would have been a translation. Yes. So an interpretation doesn't have to run the same time. You could say five words, but it would take ten words to interpret or to translate or to interpret that word to your understanding, right? And then you might have somebody that would talk a lot like David. Me, I'm giving him directions to go down there. And I know he's not going to get them. I know he's going to have to call me before he reaches the third light because he forgot how many. And he's confused about the second light and the third light. So he's turning left when he's supposed to turn right. And he's going down the third light. And then he's turning right. And now he's down what? He's at the sanitation plant. He's not at the grocery store. Why? Because David is a man. But if I told Sharon, hey, he, just, he went to the store for me, that's enough. That's enough. So this interpretation of tongues, let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, and look at some of the different interpretations. And uh, since I didn't know, I didn't preach on that. Let me stumble through it like I do most of the messages I preach anyway. All right, 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, and let's look down at, uh, is it verse 13 that says, uh, uh, 
even so the zeal of the spiritual gifts may edify. All right, it says, wherefore, yeah, verse 13, wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray. What does prayer mean? Ask. Ask, right? Now, if any gift can be asked to go into operation, then all gifts could be asked. Right? Okay. So we do know that we can ask for the gifts to be manifested in our life or to go into operation of our life. What good would the gifts be if God was going to withhold them? They, they would be useless. Why even give them? But if God gives us gifts and then tells us that you can ask for them, now we can begin to operate in there, in them as we begin to ask God to release them or to unveil them or to manifest them in our life. So you need to ask for the gifts to be active. And then it says, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Verse 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I will also sing with the spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? For verily thou givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. Now, Paul says this, if I pray in an unknown tongue, that he is to be, that he is to pray that he would interpret. But then down in verse uh, uh, 16 and 17, it says, but if you give thanks in an unknown tongue, the person that's in the room doesn't understand you. So he is not edified. Really, he's confused. Now, you did well. The Bible said speaking in tongues over your food was well. Somebody say well. So it's not wrong. It's well. But if another one is in the room, you're not to do that because he's not edified or he has no understanding of what you're saying. Now, when you do that, we have to be able to interpret which tongue is to bless your food and which tongue that you would pray in that you should ask for the interpretation. Could it get an amen? Absolutely. So if we are going to pray over our food or that utterance comes to us, maybe you would be in another country and you would go to pray over your food, just say, God, I thank you for this food. But the Holy Ghost would unction you and say, I want you to pray over this food. Now, the Holy Ghost, there's nothing hid with him. There might be poison. There might be parasites. There might be 101 things in that. So you would pray over that, the Holy Ghost would then cleanse it, and if you eat any deadly thing, it's not going to harm you. Okay, but what if you didn't know that the Holy Ghost was unctioning you to pray over your food like that? And you thought, well, you know, he's given me a tongue, and I'm supposed to interpret it. Well, what's it about? What would happen is you would not pray over your food, and you would have missed God, and you might be dead. See, we have to be able to interpret the different types of tongues that are in our life and that the Holy Ghost is using us with. Amen? All right, so then let's look. Uh, 
I am looking for the verse that says, if there's no interpreter, brother, under that there. Hey, thank you. All right. And then it says in verse 27, and if a man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three. And that by the course, let one interpret. Now, what's this? But if there be no interpreter. Now, there are gifts that are said in the church that are recognized by the church that function primarily in one gift. And the interpretation of a tongue is one of those gifts as well as someone that would bring forth a message in tongues. And so we know that they are positioned by God for the edifying of the church. But it says here, but if there be no interpreter, and they should be known, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and what? Now notice that there are three types of tongues there. There is a tongue that would need an interpreter. If you prayed it without an interpreter, you would have stopped, violated, overrode the will of God. Because the Bible said, if there's no interpreter, don't say it openly. So it could be interpreted. If it's said openly, it's expected that it's to be interpreted. Now, who's the responsibility that there would be an interpreter in the room or that the tongue that came forth was supposed to be interpreted? The one speaking in tongues. So if you don't operate in the gift of interpretation, guess what? You may speak a tongue that was to bless food. You say, well, the Holy Ghost wouldn't give me that utterance. Well, the Bible said that I will pray in my understanding and I will pray with the Spirit. You know, we can pray at will and the Holy Ghost will give us utterance. Now, we become so sensitive to it that we some, sometimes forget that the Holy Ghost is involved with us and so is our decision and so is our will. Paul said, I will and I will. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding. David, could you sing, She'll Become Around the Mountain? Could you? Well, you don't want me to sing. I know you, I know I don't want to, but I need it for... Okay, she'll be coming around the Okay, whoa, whoa. Were you inspired of the Holy Ghost or you no. just started that? You just started that. Okay, so David says that I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray, I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding. See, it is the will of man that lets the Holy Ghost do so or stops the Holy Ghost from doing so. But when we start communing, fellowshipping, becoming intimate with the Holy Ghost and understanding these gifts, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16th chapter, now I commend you into the fellowship of the Father and of the Son and the communion of the Holy Ghost. We are to be intimate with the Holy Ghost. But the problem is we are so busy being intimate with everything else that we certainly have failed him a million miles. So when he tries to do something into us, guess what? We enter into the realm of ignorance. We don't know. And, but if the person speaking in an unknown tongue grows and matures himself, as we started teaching three or four weeks ago, then what they can do is they can know. Somebody say no. 
Remember, you can pray that I interpret. In other words, you can pray that you interpret not only what you'd be saying, but the tongue that the Holy Ghost is unctioning you to pray. So we need the gift of interpretation to interpret those things. First of all, it said here in verse, excuse me, 28, that there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Could you be inspired by the Holy Ghost to give a language in tongues and there be no interpreter? So you would have to submit to the authority of the scriptures. Don't do it unless you have the gift of interpretation or you would pray, God, you want me to speak this. I need for you to give me the interpretation. That's one. The other is you could also not only interpret what tongue you are praying, but you could interpret what the Holy Ghost is saying about you or to you through that tongue. So, so interpretation goes both ways, not only for people, but for ourselves. You understand that? Like if you're praying in the Holy Ghost about uh, making a decision, wouldn't you have to interpret what the Holy Ghost was saying back to you? or what you were interpreting, or what you were praying about? Well, certainly you would. Or you'd be as much in the dark as you were before you started praying. All right, now, when it says, now if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent. So the man would have to know if the tongue was to be interpreted or not. And if there is no interpreter, or the individual has not used his faith, expressed a desire, and pursued it, even after failure and, uh, or missing the mark or whatever, thinking that they hadn't hit, did what God warned them to do, still, if they did not know, then what they would do is this. The Bible said, be still, be silent, and then let him speak to himself. This is audibly. So there, you'll hear people in the congregation praying in tongues. They aren't praying for it to be interpreted. They're speaking to their self or they're speaking to God. Now, right there are three different types of tongues that could happen to any individual in any service. And I think it would be important if we understood which one God is using with us in, at that moment. Wouldn't you think? Yes. Absolutely. And so you could speak to yourself to edify yourself and to build yourself up. You could do that. But it might be that you might be speaking to God about something in the service or whatever. And so right there are three different types of tongues that could be orchestrated that, notice this, that every believer should be operating on. It says if one speaks in an unknown tongue and there be no interpreter, everybody should be able to bring forth a message in tongues. Doesn't mean that there's not a dominant gift in the church like that. But every believer should be able to be inspired by God to speak to men to edification, comfort, and exhortation. And every man should know how and when to edify or to speak to himself or to encourage himself or build himself up. And everybody should know when and how to speak to God in an unknown tongue. Is that what it said? Let him speak in an unknown tongue. Make sure there's an interpreter. 
So that man should be. But if he doesn't, make sure that he then talks to himself or to God. Now notice that he says, talk to yourself or talk to God. Could Paul pray over his food at his will? Sure. Absolutely. Wow. You got it. Could you speak to yourself and speak to God and speak to a congregation and know the difference? Absolutely, we should. Why don't we? Because we've thrown it all into one lump. And then there is the lack of desire to do anything that is beyond status quo. And that is the ignorance of a child. And the church doesn't want anymore. That's why we have same old gurgitated, boxed sermons. Why? Because nobody wants to discover nothing. And sheep don't require anything because they're just used to eating dried up grass. Now, it would behoove us, all of us, to go beyond where we have come with God and to dive in to understand these languages and these tongues. Now, uh, <clears throat> David, do you and Sharon have like body language in your house? Yeah. What body language do you like? <laughs> no, for, oh, <laughs> Steve, dream of God a bad body language, you, maybe a shifting of the eyes or maybe a more little open. <laughs> uh, Sure, everybody has body language. You know, you, you ever see these news commentators? They have these body interpreters. They interpret the language of, what do you think his body's saying? Well, I don't know. I, I would have said, well, I think he's just scratching. He just can't scratch, so he's moving around. Oh, no, no, that's posturing. Now he's taking authority. Now he's standing up. Now he thinks he's in control. What idiots. People actually go to school for this, and people pay him. Right. It'd be great if they would read their spouse like that when they came home. Your spouse has a body language. And it's not always personal. Right? When your spouse comes home and they have body languages, most of us say this. Well, what's wrong with you? You got an attitude? What happened? What happened? See, the negative comes flying out instead of a spiritual person that would say, now what happened to them? What's going on? It may be a depressive spirit. It may have been a spirit of bullying. It may have been a, a negative spirit that said a, a mean comment. might have been a discouraging word that stripped somebody of their faith. It could be 101 things. But if we don't interpret their body language, how do you minister to someone that's in a season if you can't even read the season? Absolutely. And that is the biggest, one of the biggest parts of, you know, Christians and people in marriages is that they simply don't pay attention to what the other one is saying. Right? And so we never, ever really are concerned about what season they're going on, going in, or what the enemy is doing to them, 
or what's being seeded into them or what they're struggling with because we're too busy making sure we're safe in our world. And that, that's just that, that's shallow living. If you just live for the safety and the well-being of yourself, animals do that. You're not an animal. You're created in the image of God. We are to love one another as we love our... Absolutely. So do we want people to know what seasons we're going on so they can be inspired of God that we could get a word in due season? Absolutely. How about when you sit down and instruct a child or when you rebuke a child or when you chasten a child with a rod? Are there different seasons that you are to do those things? Yes. Every season is not a rebuke season. Some Christians think that. Well, I just rebuke my kid. Might be nice if you sat down and talked to him. But I know you got your way, but God does have a way. God doesn't always rebuke you. Well, yes, he does. (laughs) Uh, You you might be dealing with the wrong God. (laughs) But, or... When, when our children do something, they need instructed. They don't need rebuked. They need instructed, Amen. right? And so there are times they need instructed, times they need rebuked, and times they need corrected. Amen. Who knows the difference? You can know the difference because God can speak to you because God is doing something on your child's life, but God also knows that he has gifts and callings on the inside of your child And how you deal with that child can either break the human spirit or develop the human spirit. And so if you begin to watch instead of hurting your kids and you start raising your kids, guess what? You're going to find your child walking in the purpose of God before their years. And you'll find that they'll be the teachers when others should be their fathers. They'll be the ones that are being taught by the child. And so we have to look at them and we have to interpret what season they're going on. We also have to discern their gift and interpret which is the best path to take. God will tell us how. You know, there is a kind word. There's a gentle word that can turn away wrath. But then there's a sharp word that can incorporate wrath. We have to be aware and we have to be able to interpret those things. How about a a congregation goes through seasons? There are seasons that you preach blessing. But if you preach too much blessing, guess what? People start forgetting that we have a purpose for blessing. People can get absorbed with blessing. Our nation is absorbed with abundance. And we have forgotten who brought us to where we are and who raised us up to be a seed-sowing nation to a world that needs Jesus Christ. And we've let, let our borders down and we did not interpret the seasons of the enemy of sowing us with diverse seeds and we have become a nation of plurality of gods and of deities. But the bottom line is they're all liars and there's only one true God and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. All the rest are silver and gold and imaginations and and born out of the the psychic of man. They're born out of things that man has thought. But they're not born of God. But because we never interpreted what the devil is doing, the church is constantly rebounding, rebounding from what the devil does to us. 
And so we have to start interpreting the seasons, even of our friends, the seasons of, of those that are around us, and the seasons of our brothers and sisters. And churches go through seasons. You know that every 10 years, people change. Every 10 years, 10 is a number of fullness. It represents fullness. You can count from 1 to 10, but after, after that, every number is based upon the foundation of a 10. You're going to get 11, you're going to get 12, you're going to get 20, you're going to get 30. It's all based out of a 10 numeral. And so 10 is a representative of the whole. That's why God asked for the tithe. That's why there's 10 commandments. You want to know how God will rule your whole life? You keep the 10 commandments. You'll be like the rich man. You'll be blessed beyond measure. And so God gives us this 10 measure. And so when we are active with people, we have to understand that God is doing something that we need to be able to interpret. Why? Because there are fullness and there are seasons and man really can almost be, how do I want to say this? He can almost be mapped about what's going to happen to him. Every generation is going to have a rising and a falling, a rising to God and a falling away from God. Every generation. You don't believe me? Go clear back to Abraham and start on, and then you come and tell me, I believe you're right. You will, because I am. Now, same thing happens in the church world. Every generation, it grows. The next generation, as you seed into it, it comes into Christ. Now, the problem is that lots of churches don't sow into those generations. And instead of recognizing that there is a transitional time that is taking place, there is a time in every church that the balance begins to change where the old are the old and the new have got to be brought in. There is a time of, of seating. There is a time, as it were, that the ewes uh, get old. They must then be taken out to the place and new people that are filled with God become the reproductive system of a church. And if you don't catch that next generation then you understand that your church is going to be like so many that you drive by coming down the road. What happened? They missed their interpretation of their season. Every person, if they do not interpret that they go through seasons, will end up uh, squelching, squabbling, fighting, bickering, and probably go through a divorce. You know that over 60% of divorces fail in the first 10 years. First 10 years. First 10 years. Now, that's terrible, but it's the truth. Because people never, ever see the seasons coming, and what happens, it blindsides them. They've forgotten that in this season, in the time of wholeness, people are changing, and this transitions. This is one of the problems of the church. The church never understands itself, and every 10 years, every church goes through transitions. Every church goes through transitions, and what happens, people that have not caught a grasp of times and seasons, just mark it. You will see people disconnect. Why? Because they've had a season, and because they have not rooted their self, when these seasonal changes come, they become a statistic of the repeat 
historical work of man. Absolutely. Happens all the time. Every seven years, there's a book that comes through the area, Pigs in a Parlor. And every seven years, you know, people get just as stupid as they were the first seven years before that. Just as stupid. I don't know if that book just makes people stupid or it's just a cycle of the stupid. But people are just stupid. They, they just, they, they fall right back into the cycle. Now, I'm not talking about you. But I'm talking about all those other people out there. And I'm just telling you. And then what happens every seven years, every seven years, there is a new quote-unquote thing happening. Why? Because as soon as it runs this three-year uh, in metamorphous change, guess what? There's a resurrection of a new era, a new cult, a new way of thought that the foundational churches that are preaching truth have to deal with. Now, I'll just give you examples. We have all heard of, uh, you know, uh, oh, I think maybe 18, 19 years ago, it was everybody was flying over cities, anointing their cities with oil. What a bunch, hallelujah. Hopefully you were not in that helicopter. What stupidity. Well, hallelujah, oh, will you, you, you. Well, the city hasn't changed, people haven't changed, churches haven't grown, and revival hasn't come. So here comes a new movement. Now they've got this going on or that going on, whether uh, it's... Uh, out-of-balance repentance, this or that. You, you know, and, and uh, we're guilty for the sins of, of nations and generations. Really, Exodus, uh, Ezekiel told me that God would not put the sins of the fathers upon the sons. But it has to be something new because we're bored with the old last 10 years. So it goes into incubation about seven years. Here it comes. It'll last about three years. And listen, please listen to me. The founder of that will be the founder of something else. Mark my words. I'm telling you, it is the, just the progress, the repeated, traceable progress of bored people. As if we get bored with this and have to have something new. No. How do you win your world? Keep doing what Jesus told you to do. You don't need nothing else. Oh, well, but, but God, then God should have opened up all this stuff hundreds and thousands of years ago so that millions wouldn't be in hell. I don't think God opened up something new. I think man conjured up something new. Now, I'm just telling you, in another year and a half, watch out, another change is going to come. I'm just telling you, it's going to come. Whether it's a, you know, it used to be, Intercessors. Anybody used to be in, in the intercessory group? Everybody? Oh, yeah, dude, that church has got intercessors. They all went over to the intercessory. We're bringing in revival. Uh, yeah, the church is still the same. Them intercessors are dead and ain't nothing happened. I don't think that God calls people to be failures. I think if God tells me I want you to intercede, and he tells me good, I'm going to intercede for something, I'm going to see something. just a thought that if God calls me to speak and prophesy to a valley of bones I expect bones to be rattling Amen. 
Hmm? Why are new horizons and new cults always coming to the forefront? Because Christians are just like people. They get bored. I've never been bored with the gospel. I've never been bored with what I know works. I've never got tired of preaching, doing signs and wonders. I've never got tired of winning an average of 200,000 people to Jesus every year on a mission field. Never got tired of it. Never got tired of preaching on the gospel. I, in fact, I have tried to be insulted. People have come up to me and say, boy, you're real fundamental, aren't you? And I've had to look at them and say, I know you mean that as an insult, but I thank you. Yep, somebody gave me a tape the other day from 1990. Guess what? They said, listen, to the tape, you're preaching the same thing. I said, thank you. I don't know. My stuff works. I, I, I don't know. God, God doesn't die off and change. And say, oh, man, we've got to come up with something new. And then, it, then, then God wants to win the world or cleanse it from all its sin and all that. And so all of a sudden, here comes a great understanding, a revelation. Just nothing happens out of the revelation. Please, wake up. It is a transition and it is a season and you need to interpret Understand that the gospel will be preached forever and it will be the same as it was when Jesus preached it. It will be the same as the apostles and the disciples preached it. But it's only the people that are bored that need to add something new. That's it. What if we spend our time getting anointed that you preach like Wesley did, and when he preached repentance, thousands fell out under the floor, every bar closed, and every movie theater closed in the city, and you couldn't find anything opened on Sunday. But what we do is we make up things that have no anointing, aren't breaking any yokes, aren't ushering in thousands. Yet a man riding a horse around preaching without a microphone without a name transforms cities and gives birth to thousands and tens of thousands of converts that's jesus all the other is shenanigans now like I said, next year and a half, here will rise up a new revelation. Why? Because the people have lost their zeal. They have become gullible again, and the fishermen will throw out the sucker minnows. Won't change anything. Won't change their base, won't change their church, won't change anything. Why? Doesn't have the power to. You want know to have the power to change? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Could I get an amen?
So let's ask God to allow us to interpret. I have to interpret seasons of my congregation. I have to interpret what's transpiring from the demonic side. And I have to, tra- I have to be able to interpret what God is doing in a service. I have to interpret. Is it time to change it? It's time to do it. And so all of us can do that in our homes. But let's use the gift of interpretation. Remember, dreams, dreams are great, but they have to be what? In other words, it can be what God said, but without you interpreting it, you never get to the life moment or the life word that God gave you in that dream. Right? Amen. So when you get a dream, don't run to somebody to interpret it. The Bible said you pray that you interpret. Let's pray and let God interpret for us. If God doesn't speak to us, then evidently the dream wasn't from God. Right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's stand our feet. Let's praise. Hallelujah. Now, remember, let's start paying attention to the seasons in our family, seasons in our spouse's life. Hallelujah. God will even warn you of seasons to come about uh, maybe an economical pressure time that you're going to go through. Uh, read. Let, just let God unveil to you the interpretation of what's taking place in your life and in your household. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that God, you would give us and release in this congregation to every individual, God, a gift, the gift of interpretation of diverse kinds of tongues. God, that we can interpret the need of our spouses, the seasons of our spouses, of our children, God. Father, that it will be a time that we will be able to help them in that season. And God, I ask that, Father, we would begin to be able to discern when our friends, people that we know, God, when you call us to prayer about someone, that God will be able to interpret the season that they're going in. That God will be able to also interpret the languages that we are speaking, whether we are speaking to you, God, or whether we're speaking to ourselves, to edification, exhortation, or comfort, or, God, that we are getting ready to speak something that needs to be interpreted. God, let us be able to interpret these languages so that we will know that, God, if we're edifying ourselves, it's up to us to stop when we want. But, God, if we're speaking to you, we need to let our conversation be completed by the Holy Ghost, that we don't cut our conversation short with you. Now, God, give us this gift of interpretation. God, let us be able to interpret the seasons all around us, that God will be useful, that will be productive, God, and that we can be involved, engaged, God, with the brothers and sisters. And God, we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Sunday morning. Hallelujah.